Greetings and welcome. You're listening to the Genesis Podcast, the official podcast of the Genesis Community Church in Upland, California. It is our goal to inspire one another to change the world by effectively living in the way of Jesus. Check out our website, thegenesisstory.com. There, you can learn more about us, where and when we meet, ways to invest and support, but most importantly, how to get connected. Thank you for spending time with us today. Good morning. Good to see you guys here this morning. Again, welcome for those of you watching online. You guys may notice we have a new background. We, yeah. It was just, you know, we had a white guy with white hair against a white wall. It just wasn't working. <laughs> had to do something, stand out. But it's good to be here together. I look forward to our uh, time in discussion afterwards. This morning, we're going to be talking about religion, and I want you to think before we even get started, when you hear the word religion, what comes to your mind? Is it positive? Is it negative? Is it indifferent? Um, What thoughts come with that word and your experience? And we're going to explore that together a little bit later. But let's pause and let's pray as we get started. Lord God, we want to press pause on the busyness of our schedules and thoughts and lives for a short time to give attention to your voice through your spirit ministering to our hearts, that we might encounter you this morning and be changed because of that. Father, may we push aside the distractions that will keep us from hearing. May we lean into your spirit's voice that will be ministering to us, that will be provoking us, inspiring us. And may we take what you do in our lives here to the world around us, that the change would not only happen in us, but through us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Once again, uh, we want to say thank you, thank you, thank you to all of you who contribute to make Genesis happen, uh, for the guys who come here and set up, to those who donate uh, financially, uh, Appreciate all of you so much and want to say thank you. If you desire to give to Genesis, you can go to thegenesisstory.com and you'll find the various ways that you can give, whether it's online or you can even mail things to us. So, um, hey, there it is. Um, So those are the ways that you can give and it's much appreciated. We are here because of you and appreciate that so much. As I mentioned at the beginning, we are going to be talking about religion. And as I asked that question at the very start, what does that word do in your mind? Do you have positive, negative thoughts? Any of you guys want to shout out some ideas that that has with you? They can't see you on camera, so don't worry about it. Your, Your words are safe here. 
They might recognize your voice. Restrictive? Constrictive. Constrictive. Okay. Rules. Constrictive rules. Anything else? You had a positive one? Okay. Hey, it's not, there's no wrong answer here, except for that one. No, um, <laughs> no, there is no wrong answer in that. This is just an idea. I, I think it's important to kind of dive into that. This morning, I want to talk to you guys about the Ku Klux Klan and Mother Teresa, Tina Turner, and Mississippi. All right. So, yeah, we're going we're gonna to go there. Words are so important. When you hear that word religion, you might have a positive or a negative thought. And, and it depends maybe on your experience, how you've heard that word, how it's been used in the past. But words are so important. I remember years ago, I did a series called Tribe. And, and what I was trying to do, bless you, I, I was trying to recapture the idea of what church was, Right. Because the word church is a transliteration from the German word Kirche, which meant a location. But I thought tribe meant a people, and it was more accurate to what was described in the New Testament from the word ecclesia, which is a gathering. But I had someone tell me that they were going to stop coming to Genesis because I was using the word tribe. And it's like, I'm not using it. I just did a series on it, you know. <laughs> But anyway, I, I think there were other things involved, but just the word can mean so much to someone. And the same thing is true with the word Christian, right? The people who describe themselves as Christian. The Ku Klux Klan claimed to be Christian. Mother Teresa we see as Christian, and yet we see them on opposite sides of the spectrum. And I think the same thing is true with the word religion. Now, as was mentioned here by a few of you, the idea of religion being constrictive, being rules, having a negative connotation is pretty popular. It's pretty common in our culture. A lot of people might say something like, well, I don't, have, I don't believe in religion. I believe in a relationship, something like that. There was a, a poem, a spoken word video on YouTube about 11 years ago talked about why I Hate Religion But Love Jesus by a guy named Jeff Bethke. And in it he said, because religion says do, Jesus says done. Religion says slave, Jesus says son. Religion puts you in shackles, but Jesus sets you free. Religion makes you blind, but Jesus lets you see. He had that idea of religion is constrictive, Jesus isn't. Religion is following some set of rules, but Jesus is that relationship. And that's how a lot of people see, but religion isn't sought that way by everyone. It's not just a cold obligation to a system of beliefs. For others, religion is a personal choice and serves some sort of existential purpose of bringing inner peace and fulfillment, where you go somewhere and you say, yeah, I need to, you know, I, where is your religious section? And they might show you self-help. And the idea of religion is being something that is going to bring those kinds of things to you. And there is definitely the idea in scripture about God bringing inner peace. The Bible addresses that. I, I'm not saying that that's not important, but I think it's far off the mark to imagine that an ancient people thought of religion in either of these ways. 
Religion for almost all ancient people was an obligation and had very little to do with personal choice or the leisurely pursuit of inner peace. The Romans described religion as Pax Diorum, the maintenance of a peaceful coexistence with the gods, recognizing their superiority, power, and honoring them with sacrifice, prayers, and gifts. And this was more or less how it worked out in all the ancient cultures, whether it's Egyptian, Assyrian, Greeks, the gods are divine rulers, and mortals owe them thanks, respect, and obedience, and that marked religion. And the word thriskia, I think that's how you say it, was used to identify how you worshipped in the various ways, how you identified to the system that you were a part of. To do something religiously was to do something with intention and devotion, to give yourself to something. And we see that with the Jewish form of worship as well, where there was the following of the laws. There was the the ritual sacrifices that were given of how the priest was supposed to conduct themselves and how they were to do these kind of ceremonial things. But there was something interesting in the Hebrew worship and their, quote, religion, because their worship had an additional element, and it was the use of the word love in their worship, which makes us wonder, in the words of, you guys know where this is coming with Tina Turner, right? The late great, what's love got to do with this? <laughs> what purpose does love have with religion and with the ritual? Because outside of Judaism and Christianity, it was uncommon to find sacred, sacred text talking about non-sexual love between mortals and the divine, but the Jews by the time of Jesus were known to have regularly prayed the Shema, the specific prayer found in Deuteronomy 6, hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. So for the Jew, religion marked the dynamic relationship we are to have with God that encompassed not only our ritual, but our devotion of our heart. And it was a a different dimension that was being brought into that. And when we move to the New Testament and we get the idea of religion, it becomes even more broad in its scope, where it's not just this is what you do in ritual and sacrifice to God, and this is how you act towards God or devote yourself towards God it became something that encompassed the relationships around us as well. And so there's a passage in James that we're gonna go to, James chapter one, verse 27, where I think it's probably the most familiar that uses the actual word religion. And James says this, pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. If you were to tell the apostle James that you didn't have religion, but just a relationship with Jesus, he'd probably shake his head and said, what are you talking about? That's not even on his radar. 
the idea of just you and Jesus, this kind of dynamic where it's just about me and the freedom that God is giving me. James scoffs at the hypocrites who pretend to be religious by practicing just the rituals and activities, but then treat their neighbor with disrespect. For James, religion isn't self-help. It is God helping us and pouring himself into us so that we will honor him back by serving and loving others. True religion helps others, according to James. So it's not just a following of ritual and it's not just having this self-help attitude. It's God doing something in me that allows me to do something of good for others. Wonder, what if religion had that meaning for us today? How would people see it? Maybe they would stop seeing it as a negative and it would actually be seen as something as important. How do you help others? Oh, it's your religion. Because it would be so identified with that. And James is really taking a page out of the book of Amos where the prophet condemns those who use their wealth to abuse those without, without power because of their poverty. In chapter two of Amos, they sell the innocent for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals. They trample on their heads, on the heads of the poor as the dust of the ground. They deny justice to the oppressed. While Israel religiously brings sacrifice and tithes, their hearts are not turned toward loving their neighbor. It says, you trample on the poor and take from them levies of grain. The poor are deprived of justice in the court and leaders and judges take bribes. True religion, Amos reminds us, is to speak good for all according to the covenant. And so the Lord, the God of hosts, will be with you, hate evil, love good, and establish justice in the gate. That was religion. It wasn't just about you and God, and it wasn't just whether it be following rituals and structures or making you feel good, it was about affecting your life so that it brought about justice. And the reason that James mentions orphans and widows is because those are the ones who were economically vulnerable at that time, right? The father or husband, they were legally responsible for the well-being of the family. And so those without that guardian were dependent on the kindness and provision of others. And so the Christian brother or sister who does not have compassion for other needy people, according to James, dishonors God's own grace and mercy towards humanity. You are not representing Jesus well because you are not caring for those who need help, those who are vulnerable, to be religious is to be is to imitate the ways of God and not the ways of the world. And see, this is what is meant when the Bible talks about not loving the world. I remember growing up in church thinking, oh, no, don't love the world. That means I had to get rid of all my, you know, albums. That's what I had back then, right? My Led Zeppelin albums. I know, it's heartbreaking, 
my, and my brother and I, it's like, well, we can't sell them because then we're giving this evil to, you know, the world to someone else to use. And so we had to just like throw them away. It's like hundreds of dollars we're just throwing away. And like, but that was the idea of the world. But the idea of the world, according to scripture, is this idea of living for the elevating of self without the concern of others. It is using the world's way of becoming self-sufficient, powerful, to make yourself feel better. And it happened in the religious systems as well as in the secular. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 23, woe to you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You pay a tenth of mint, dill, and cumin, and yet you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. These things should have been done without neglecting the others. And this is what I believe is at the heart of our religion as Christians. It is the visual manifestation of the divine through the outward demonstration of love, showing justice, mercy, faithfulness. It is how God works. And so it's supposed to be how we work. In 2005, it was a transformative year for me in my faith. In that year, I had a trip with a group of people to Wales that helped me to see that there really was no such thing as evangelism, but there was such a thing as developing friendship that would have influence. And that same year, there was Hurricane Katrina. I think it was like in August of that year. And so right after I came from Wales and had this this time of just kind of reflective understanding of how God works with people, I went to Bay St. Louis in Mississippi where Hurricane Katrina had hit and devastated the whole community. I mean, they had like mansions right there on the bay that were just slabs. And 20 feet high in the tree line, you could see everything from 20 feet high and below was just dead from the salt water that came and wiped out the whole place. And so a group of us went for Christmas and helped out the community there by bringing them, well, we had a kind of Christmas you know, festival for them. We brought the kids toys and bikes. We did some work to help clean out some of the houses and things that were there. And every day, day we fed the people breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And that was going on more than just Christmas, but I was there for that time with Christmas. And what I saw happening through the kindness and the generosity of the group that went there was an effect that took place with the people who were there. It was a place that was pretty racially diverse. But when we all got together, we would join hands and pray for breakfast, and there would be people who were of all walks of life, racially, socially, religiously, who would be there holding hands because something good is being done here and there's a recognition of it. And it had more of an effect on people than preaching, 
memorizing Bible verses, was the showing of kindness and goodness in people's life. And it makes me wonder, is the person religious because of what they believe or is a person religious because of what they do? Or maybe it's a little bit of both. Because I think the idea of religion involves God. And I think a lot of it has to do with source, where there are people who don't believe in God and do good, and they are probably closer to the heart of God than people who believe in God but do no good but not understanding that what you are doing is connected to God is an important part. It's where it's coming from and recognizing that this is coming from something more or bigger than me is something that should motivate not me just because I want to, but because it is the way of the universe, because it is the way of God, because it is compelling me to do this, that is something beyond myself that is moving me towards something else. What we don't recognize because of our culture sometimes is that there is this, it's the word liberalism, and it's not about left or right. Liberalism in this sense is about being focused on personal liberty rather than social justice. It's maximizing the individual right and opportunity over and against society at large. And it permeates our culture. And an example of it permeating our culture is when you read in scripture, you are the light of the world, or you are the salt of the earth, or whatever you pray, believing you will receive, ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open to you. Thinking that Jesus is talking about you individually in all of those verses is a sign of this liberal mentality, personal liberty. Because in all of those instances, the you is plural. It's talking about you as a group of people, not you individually. But for us, it's all about the person. Yeah, he's talking about, I'm the light of the world. No, you are the light of the world as the group. He's talking collectively thinking that he's talking about us individually and not as a multitude shows how persuasive this individual identity has become. These words weren't meant to be taken as just you. It was meant to be taken as the collective. And having this understanding, I think, is in line with the idea of what religion is meant to be. It is a commitment not only to God, but a commitment to what God is committed to. I've shared this before. When they would get together and read the scripture, scripture was never something that was individual. You didn't just go get your Bible and go home and yeah, I read my Bible. It's just me and God. It's breakfast with Jesus. I got my coffee. I got my Bible. It says, no, you would get together and you would talk much like we do after I'm done talking here today. You'd get together because it was in the collective that you had a, a deeper understanding of what God would do because he's doing it through everyone, not just you. You would have a deeper compassion for those who are in different situations than yourself. Maybe you were doing well and someone isn't. And now you see 
how you think in comparison to how they think. And now maybe you have to consider things a little bit differently. When we recognize that we are part of something bigger and that there is intention in the bigger to bring justice and goodness and kindness to the whole, it moves us in the right direction. And that's what we want. That's what religion is to do. I want to read a passage in James chapter 5. I'm going to read it from the message translation. And I, I want to I want you to say, if we were just to get together and someone was just to say this passage of scripture and this was the sermon that was preached, how would you feel? James chapter five. And a final word to you arrogant rich. Take some lessons in lament. You'll need buckets for the tears when the crash comes upon you. Your money is corrupt and your fine clothes stink. Your greedy luxuries are a cancer in your gut, destroying your life from within. You thought you were piling up wealth. What you've piled up is judgment. How does that make you feel? It pushes against some things. And it's not that wealth is wrong. It is the accumulation and the ignoring of those who don't have. Right? That's why he talks about your greedy luxuries are cancer destroying your life for men. You thought you were piling up wealth, but you've piled up judgment. Why? Because you didn't see what was needed around you and you just accumulated for yourself. Again, our mentality is one where, you know, I've worked for what I have. You know, and my father and my father's father worked and they did this. At some point, everyone had the same, right? If you go back and however you want to go back to, if it was Adam and Eve or whatever you think, right? If you went back at one point, everyone had the same amount. And at some point, someone had more than someone else And that's not that that's wrong, but at some point, someone had a lot more and someone had little. But originally, everyone had to start off on the same playing field. What made us think that it was okay for us to have more and someone to have not enough? See, that's what I think James is talking about. And I know there's a lot more involved and this isn't a promoting of socialism or communism. This this is a, a promoting of what religion looks like for those of us who call Jesus our Lord. It's caring for those who don't have enough when we do. Whether it's financially, whether it's emotionally, whether it's things that we can do to help. It's a recognition that we are part of 
what Jesus says is his body. And true religion is this, taking care of the orphan and the widow in need. That's showing what you believe. That is the manifestation of the divine and what it is you worship being seen. I hope if this does anything, it it makes us a little uncomfortable. That it, it challenges us to think about what we value most. Are we running away from something because we're wanting to hold on to our liberty? Are we running towards just a a me and Jesus mentality because we're not wanting to take on our responsibility? Are we discounting religion as just a, a rules and regulations obligation because it's easier to do that than to recognize that there is an obligation we have to our God and to the people he's created. And so we hold both of them together. But there's another dimension that is supposed to include more than just us. It includes the other. Let's pray. Father, once again, I am challenged of what it means to call myself a Christian. I find myself wanting to put a label that I can easily hide under. Wanting to make something easy for me to understand, whether it's positive or negative, so that I can find a place of comfort for myself. And once again, I find you rocking the boat and challenging me to get outside of my bubble and recognize that I am not alone in this boat, that it is my religious duty to help all those who are in the boat with me. Father, may we be provoked to love and good deeds. May we recognize, even as you said, Jesus, whatever we do to the least of these, we do to you. May we recognize that this is true, pure religion, is to care for those in need around us. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. May we reclaim our religion and be a light to the world by loving others as Christ loves us. God bless you guys. Have an amazing week. You've been listening to the official podcast of Genesis Community Church in Upland, California. If you've been encouraged, found hope, been challenged by what you've heard, we'd like to ask you to help spread the word by sharing our podcast with your friends and family. You can also help support our podcast by visiting us at thegenesisstory.com. 
It has been our pleasure to have you join us today, and we hope you'll tune in again next week.